Hello, everybody. Welcome once again as we continue on in the study we're doing right now of the New Testament. We're working through uh, the New Testament a chapter at a time. Um, we're two and a half years in, more or less, to what we're doing. Uh, we've gone through all four of the Gospels. We've done the book of Acts. Uh, we've done First and Second Thessalonians. And uh, now we're looking at the book of First Corinthians. Um, we, we haven't done them exactly in order. We did Matthew, we did Mark, then we did John. We skipped over Luke so we could do Luke and Acts together. And now what we're doing is working through the letters that Paul wrote um, kind of in the order we believe he wrote them. And we did that because we just finished a pretty extensive study of the missionary journeys in the book of Acts, and, and hopefully it will tie in for some of you. Hey, we just read about Paul being in those places, and now, now that he's gone, and he's gone to the next place, and he's writing back to the churches. And that's pretty much what's going on in all of these letters. Um, he's addressing issues that have happened. And you think about it, they, these were, church was brand new. Um, you know, this was all in uh, uh, Paul's missionary journeys were in the 40s and 50s into the early 60s, uh, and that's funny when you say it like that, isn't it? Yeah, not like 1940s and 50s, you know what I mean? The 40s and 50s. <laughs> and uh, and so, um, so it's all new. I mean, it's, you know, it's within years of Jesus and, and uh, his ministry and the crucifixion and resurrection, all that. So um, the church is a new thing. And, it, and you know, it got some of its uh, idea out of the synagogue, but it's a new thing, especially when the Gentiles came in, which is where Paul was ministering. This was all new to them. And so lots of issues arise. And um, Paul will hear about them, and he's got to write back to them. Corinthians, this letter, is writing because people from Chloe's household have come. And uh, they, uh, we believe he's in Ephesus at, the, at this time. And they said, hey, we got some problems we need you to deal with. And so Paul writes back this letter in dealing with the problems. And one of the bigger problems they're having is a problem of division. There's division in the church about who's following who and what. And so Paul has been, the first couple of chapters he kind of set up, you know, the whole deal about what's really important. And now, chapter 3 and in this chapter, he's, he's really targeting the actual divisions and trying to deal with the problem of division in the church. So um, we'll go ahead and pick it up there in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. That's uh, only 21 verses. I will read them to you, beginning in verse 1. So then, men ought to regard us as servants of Christ and as those entrusted with the secret things of God. Now it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. I care very little if I am judged by you or any human court. Indeed, I do not even judge myself. My conscience is clear, but that does not make me innocent. It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait till the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of men's heart. At that time each will receive his praise from God. Now brothers, I have applied these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit, so that you, you may learn from us the meaning of the saying, do not go beyond what is written. Then you will not take pride in one man over and against another. For who makes you different from anyone else? What do you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as though you did not? Already you have all you want. Already you become rich. You become kings and that without us. How I wish that you really had become kings so that we might be kings with you. For it seems to me that God has put us apostles on display at the end of the procession. Like men condemned to die in the arena. We have been made a spectacle to the whole universe. 
to angels as well as to men. We are fools for Christ, but you're so wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are honored, we are dishonored. To this very hour we go hungry and thirsty. We are in rags. We are brutally treated, we are homeless. We work hard with our own hands. When we are cursed, we bless. When we are persecuted, we endure it. When we are slandered, we answer kindly. Up to this moment, we have become the scum of the earth, the refuse of the world. Boy, it must be an exciting job. <laughs> this is the job description. <laughs> Where do we sign up? <laughs> I am not writing this to shame you, but to warn you as my dear children. Even though you have 10,000 guardians in Christ, you do not have many fathers, for in Christ Jesus... I became your father through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. For this reason, I am sending to you Timothy, my son, whom I love, who is faithful in the Lord. He will remind you of my way of life in Christ Jesus, which agrees with what I teach everywhere in every church. Some of you have become arrogant, as if I were not coming to you, but I will come to you very soon, if the Lord is willing. And then I will find out not only how these arrogant people are talking, but what power they have. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. What do you prefer? Shall I come to you with a whip, or in love, and with a gentle spirit? And blessed be the word of the Lord. Um, pretty interesting stuff from the Apostle Paul. I especially like the end there. I imagine that got everybody's attention. Uh-oh. We'll talk about that in a minute. Okay, so... Um, like I said, we're, he's dealing with divisions in the church, which he'd heard about from Chloe's household, that people were saying some follow Apollo, some Paul, some Cephas, some, some this, some that. And he's saying, okay, guys, you've got this all wrong. And the problem, and we talked about this last week, is that they are looking, um, they're trying to look at the church with, from a worldly viewpoint. They're trying to look at the, the things of God from a worldly viewpoint and see their perspective has to change. They have not matured yet to the place where they can see things from the perspective of the throne room of God. We talk about that all the time. So they're, they're um, weighing everything in a very worldly way. They're, they're judging everything in a, in a worldly fashion. And Paul's saying you can't do that. And that part of the problem the Corinthians had is they were extremely gifted, but they hadn't matured yet into their giftedness. And so they were confusing their giftedness with... Um, uh, some sort of maturity in the Lord, and so Paul's having to address it, saying, you guys are you're looking at this in completely the wrong way. And, and so he's trying to straighten them around, and he's been using Paul and, uh, himself and Apollos as examples, applying some things to him so that they'll try and get the point. And what he says there in the beginning is that um, um, anyone who ministers for Christ is responsible to Christ. And, and what that means is they're to be submitted to Christ, with, that, that Jesus is the authority, and that as ministers entrusted with the secret things of God, now that's, I like that, I, secret things of God, people go, what is that, you know, are there secret things of God? 
what Paul is referring to, and he did it in the second chapter, is, is the message of the cross that's been revealed by the Spirit, just to refresh your mind. 1 Corinthians 2, 7 and 10 said this, No, we speak of God's secret wisdom, a wisdom that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, no eye has seen, no ears heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed it to us by his Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. So the, the secrets of God then are what we started with in the, in the study. Are, are, it's the message of the cross. It's, it's God's movement towards people um, at the cross, making a way for us to have an opportunity to have life everlasting with him, the forgiveness of our sins, and all the things that we've talked about that happened at the cross and how important those things are. Paul's saying that's what's been revealed to us. That's the foundation we've laid. That's what needs to be built upon but, but that's the, what the people who come to you are supposed to be sharing and that they're supposed to be faithful in sharing that message. Now he goes on and he says, ah, that'll look good on TV. He goes on and he says, but I was thirsty. So, so I weighed that out for a moment and thought, yeah, I'm going to have a drink of water. Um, He talks about motives, and because he, he, see the, the thing that we have is, all of us have some impure motives, everybody, because we all still have sin that we deal with, and so none of us is perfect yet, even Paul wasn't perfect, um, and so he's saying, listen, because of that, because we all know that we all have issues, we have to be very careful not to exalt men, what, what we look to is what God is doing through them. But what we confuse all the time, because we have a worldly way of looking at things, is that we, we start to exalt men. We do it all the time in the church. We exalt men in ministries, and then we're highly disappointed when they fail us. Because, but they will, because they're not perfect. See, that's the problem that we have, and that's what Paul's trying to say. Look, get your eyes off of men, and get your eyes on, the God, working th on God working through men. See, that's the, that's the difference. That's maturity is that, that whatever's happening, for anyone who's ministering, remember we're all called to minister, anything that we do for the Lord, ultimately people ought to be able to see through us to the Lord, because it's not about us, because we all have impure motives. And the moment people start to look at us in a, in a way that we're, 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 it exalts us, we're in big trouble. And so we, we all have to hold that intention, just as he's trying to get the church to hold it in tension, because their division is, well, we're following Apollos, and we're following Cephas, and we're following this one or that one. And Paul's saying, no, you, what you're following is Jesus <laughs> working through those guys. And you've got to get your focus right, or you end up in trouble. It's the same way today. You, you, you always need to be looking for Jesus in people who are ministering to you, and you need to be representing Jesus to the people that you're ministering to. Understanding, all of us, that none of us have perfect motive. We've all got some stuff in there. It's just the way it works. Okay? And, so, and, and we have that in there until Jesus comes back. That's why we really can't judge it until he comes back. And then he judges it. And, and you know, he talked about building materials a little while ago, and some were like precious metals and stuff, and some were like wooden hay. Some of this stuff just is going to get burned up. That wasn't God. Because our motives, yeah. But this is this is the this is the fact, and so we, we need to be careful that. Um, and so when I say that, like it's okay to enjoy certain people who do ministry and stuff and and get a kick out of what they teach, but no one should be taken carte blanche. Is that how you say carte blanche? Carte blanche, carte blanche. Uh, 
You should never just take anything anybody says without checking it against the scripture and without turning your spirit off because sometimes people mess up. And so everything needs to be looked at according to scripture. And uh, that's, that's for everybody because nobody's got this thing perfected yet. All right, so he's telling these guys that. This is what you need to be aware of. Now in verses six through eight, he's saying it again that the, 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 the problem for division in the church, he's, he's analyzing for them and he's breaking it down, which is very nice. The biggest problem with divisions is pride. Still bothers us in the church today. Pride, it's a big issue for the people involved in ministry and for the people in ministries and for, you know, and then, you know, everybody, oh, this is the right way, this is, it's this, it's this, it's this. It's pride that gets us in so much trouble in so many things. And he offers a solution to pride. Do you know what the solution to pride is? Humility. Right? Um, We're we're called to live humble lives. We're called to um, be a people of humility. So then we, well, what does humility look like? Well, Paul um, in Philippians gives us a pretty good picture of humility in describing Christ. In chapter 2, verses 5 through 11, I want to read it to you. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus is Christ, that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Now, there's a pattern that's marked out there um, that's, that's, that Jesus models for us, and we talk about him being our model all the time. And the pattern is marked first by humiliation or humility and is then followed by exaltation. The Corinthians, apparently, like most of us, want the exaltation part without first going through the humility part. And you can't do that. You can't get there from here. The, the, the path to life always feels like the path to death. It's just the way it worked, and Jesus modeled it that way. And, and so, so humility is a part of the process, and until we grab a hold of that fact... We end up in trouble. What keeps us away from there is our pride. And what the Corinthians wanted was this, this life. Uh, he, you know, he said, you want to live like kings. You think you've got it all figured out um, without going through the humility part. And you can't get there that way. You know, they, they, they were looking at life like so many of us do. We, we sort of want a life. We can't help it. That white picket fence life is sort of the picture we have about what life should look like. We want everything to work out. We want everything to go well. We don't want to deal with difficult things in life. We, we don't want to deal with sickness and pain and suffering. I mean, that's just, that's real that we don't want to deal with those things. And yet, we live in a fallen world. And the promises of those things no longer existing are still in the yet to come. We get tastes of it, and the kingdom of God breaks through and moves into situations. But it's not a white picket fence promise. You got to deal with hard stuff, and it stinks. The reality is, it stinks. But it's it's part of the deal, and you can't get to where you're headed without going through it. You just can't. And you have to admit, you know, understand it's part of the deal. And it's the the longer we strive against it, the worse that we get. Our pride gets stuck, and we you think, oh, I don't, I shouldn't have to, and it's all part of the deal. We're all going to face some of that stuff. But see, when we know Jesus, He's 
always pulling for us. He's always with us. He was helping us through, and, and we've got a promise with him forever. So we have hope to deal. We have the strength to deal with whatever's going on, knowing that it's not all about us. In the, in the next series we're doing, we're going to be talking about the life of disciples. We're going to really talk uh, in the first couple of weeks about the heart of a disciple and what happens um, as we understand, uh, and just like the Corinthians had to, see that, you know, the, the salvation part of the, of the message is so cool. The blessings that come from knowing Christ and the, you know, forgiveness of sin and, and a new start and new life and, and the promises of forever, that's the cool stuff. That's the blessing stuff. But, but then there's a, you have to grow into that stuff and you realize that there's some other things and that, that we have to see Jesus not only as our Savior and Deliverer, which he is, but as our Lord as well, the authority. And, and that, that we, we need to start living for him. And that's not a chore, it's a joy. And that the heart of a disciple gets it and responds with joy in, in, as he moves into the things of the Lord because that's where life is found. So when Jesus said, come follow me, he was saying, look, life is, you, you know, he was saying that the guy's fishing, look, you're fishing now, and, and that's what you think life's about. But come follow me and I'll show you what life is about. Real life. And they found it. That's why they pursued it even in the midst of persecution because they knew that there was no other life except the one that they were finding in Christ. And see, that's, that's the process that takes place in all of our lives. As we get a hold of that, things begin to change. And we, we deal with the loss here and the, and the difficult things here. We mourn it, um, but we realize that, that it's broken. And, and anytime something breaks or something bad happens, it's a reminder that you, you're, it's, it's not heaven yet. It's a fallen world. It's broken. But, but then it should stir in you, but it's, boy, it's going to get so much better. And what I'm supposed to be doing now is telling other people they have a shot. But as long as they keep looking for life, in this one, you won't find it. It's the paradox, right? It's what Jesus said. You want to find life? You've got you to gotta lose it. You've got to lay it down. See, all these things are tied in, and he's trying to communicate this to the Corinthians as well. We'll be talking about that. You just got a preview of the next two weekend sermons. Um, no extra charge. How about that? That was a good deal. Um, and he goes on in verses 9 through 13, and, and he says, Paul says, um, it, it's not that he, he likes dealing with brokenness, but it's just part of the deal. That's what we just talked about. I sort of jumped ahead of myself. The, and the Corinthians could not escape this process. That's what he's letting them know. And that they're going to have to understand, they're going to have to move into some humility to find life. Uh, verses 14 through 17, then what he says to them is that they just don't have many good examples to follow. And that's why they're ending up in some trouble. If you remember, a lot of times now he would leave, so think about going to start a church. And he would, he would go in to start a church, and sometimes he'd only be there six months, two weeks. Sometimes it seemed like after a week he got ran out of town. But he, he would have started a church, and then he would leave it. And then he would try and send some of his guys back from time to time, but he would, he would sort of pop into a church and get it going. And then, um, you know, God has a way of sort of raising up leadership, but he would have to leave and then come back. So a lot of times when you would see him go back on those missionary journeys, he's going back to churches he started, and he's looking for God to show him who the leaders are because they would have popped up by then. And he would go back and appoint leaders and stuff over the church because they'll rise up. God rises them up in every group. So he's having to do that. But see, they don't, in Corinth, they hadn't had a chance to mature enough and they, they were having some issues uh, about who was, who was coming you know, up to the top and who was going to lead and who was doing these other things. And so he's saying you don't have many good examples. 
And so he says something that I want to make sure we get in context. This whole thing is about not exalting men and looking at men. And then he says, so imitate me. (laughs) Paul says that. So, you know, you don't have many good examples. I was a father to you, so imitate me. Now, what he's not, what he's saying is, he's saying, as I try and follow Christ, you follow me. Because that's what he's trying to do. And he said, that's the message again. I'm trying to follow Christ. I'm trying to do the next right thing. I'm trying to walk. So as you see me doing that, you follow that. You're not, you're not really, but Paul's doing it to the best of his ability. And then he says, look, I'm going to send you Timothy, because Timothy gets that, and Timothy's been trying to do that in me. So you can use Timothy as an example as well, as someone who's trying to follow after Christ. And, and, and so you, you can use him as an example, but you don't, you know, you're following after Jesus ultimately, but you needed some examples along the way. Just being real careful with that. Um, and then he goes on in verses 18 through 21, uh, and he, he knows, Paul knows that some people are not going to respond to this letter because of their pride. They're going to get stuck. Some people won't be um, moved. They, they get stuck in a box of what they think is supposed to be, and you cannot move them from it. Um, and he's aware of that. And, and it's their pride that has them stuck. And so what he says, though, is, listen, and I think he's trying to help some of them get unstuck. Um, the Spirit of God is more than able to deal with people uh, who won't move in the direction they're supposed to move in. And he says to them, look, um, you're acting, these guys are acting like I'm never coming back. Because they remember what Paul did while he was there. I mean, Paul, this, God used Paul to do amazing stuff. They'd seen it, and they weren't doing stuff that Paul did. And Paul's saying, look, don't act like I'm not coming back. If God's willing, I'm coming back. And then he says, and we'll, we'll have to deal with whatever we've got to deal with. It doesn't get dealt with when I get back. And then he says these last two verses, which I think are cool, 20 and 21. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. Which do you prefer? <laughs> Shall I come to you with a whip? We're in love and with a gentle spirit. I mean, which would you prefer? <laughs> okay, we're going to get busy repenting now. <laughs> we're going to try and find some of that humility you're talking about so that when you come back, it's all good. So he's, you know, he's, he's doing what he can to address this problem, to help them to move uh, away from the, the problems that they're facing. And uh, he's got some other doozies he's got to deal with. There's a doozy in chapter 5 we've got to look at next week uh, of situations that people are just ignoring instead of dealing with some basic stuff and so he's going to talk about that as well all right that's enough for that chapter um if you're watching by video or on television thanks for watching god bless you if there's anything uh, that we can do uh, for you check us out on the website uh, and when uh, email us and call us whatever we'll, we'll do what we can but we're going to close tonight with prayer so you